Psalm chapter 23. And I, I'm just curious, um, do any of you here know this psalm by heart? Not that you're going to be bragging or anything, okay? But do any of you here seriously know this psalm by heart? Because if you do, I want you to come up here. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, because I know you guys have heard this psalm over the years. I would, I would beg you to memorize this psalm. You know, because it has been elevated by God for a reason. And when you memorize a, a psalm, and I'm talking like word for word, man, have your friend check you on it. Then you know what happens when you get to meditate on it? I mean, when you memorize it, you get to meditate on it. And the more you chew on this, the, the, the stronger, I believe, your walk will be as a sheep who follows his shepherd. Psalm 23 is an amazing psalm. Uh, so much so, I read this quote by one individual. He said this about Psalm 23. It said, this psalm has flown like a bird up and down the earth, singing the sweetest song ever heard. It has put more griefs to rest than all the philosophies of the world. It will go on singing to your children and to my children and to their children till the end of time. And when its work is done on earth, it will fly back to the bosom of God, fold its wings and sing on forever in the happy chorus of those it has helped all their lives. That's how awesome this psalm is. And I, and I think I would agree with them. This psalm is such a beautiful psalm. And I think that as we meditate on it, and you're going to see, I, I think there's so much here, but four things that kind of stand out. Number one, God's provision. You know, you don't have to worry. You know, when you follow your shepherd, you'll have everything you need. And that's talking not just physical, but emotional and spiritual. You know, the provision of God. Number two, the direction of God. You know, when you follow your shepherd, obviously you're going to be led by him. And he's going to lead you in the most wonderful places on planet earth and in life. You know, the provision, the, the direction, the protection. You know, because it's true. We are in a spiritual battle. And you guys know this, right? That you can't, you can't win against a single demon. Not one. You can't beat one demon. You can't beat one sin on your own. You can't defeat anything that the world, the flesh, or the devil will throw your way without him. You know, And so we need his protection. And that's what sheep are. They're defenseless. And we'll see the last thing. Is, is salvation. That ultimately, you know, we got to know that this is not our home. You know, life on earth is as a Christian. To me, it is beautiful. I do love it. I love the colors. I love the love. I love the music. I love so much about life on earth. I love serving the Lord. But you know what? This is not our home. And we're going to see that as we go through this psalm. It's such an awesome psalm. And so we begin reading here uh, in Psalm 23, in verse 1, a psalm of David that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The psalm was written by David. We don't know for sure when. You know, some say 
It was maybe written when he was out in the shepherd field as a young lad, inspired by God at a certain time, maybe one night he's looking up, and, and he writes this song that would rock the world. You know, you guys know music is powerful, huh? And how it can go on and on and on. That's what this psalm is. And so maybe he was out there as a young lad, and uh, you guys know he was a shepherd, right? Inspired by the Lord, maybe at that juncture of his life. But there are others who say that perhaps he wrote it later on in life. As a matter of fact, Warren Wiersbe is one of those who believes it was written later in the life of David after he had trudged through many valleys and yet triumphed with so many victories because of the simple fact that the reason why he was able to go through the valleys triumphantly, it was because of the simple fact that the Lord was his shepherd. You know, as your sheep, and if you follow your shepherd, it doesn't matter how deep, dark, or deadly the valley is, you will be triumphant. You know, and so he writes a psalm, maybe when he's young, maybe when he's older. He probably knows the Bible, you know, pretty good. You know, the Bible early on, it said that the Lord was the shepherd of Israel. In Genesis 48, 15, the NIV says that when Jacob came to the end of his life, he was blessing Joseph, his son, and he speaks of the God who had been the shepherd, his shepherd, all his life. I mean, it's so cool when you realize that that's the truth of what happens when you give your life to Christ, when you're a Christian. You know, you're, you're a sheep and he is your shepherd all your life. You know, and then you start searching the scriptures and David undoubtedly knew Genesis 49, 24, Numbers 27, 17, and, and on and on. You can refer to a lot of passages that refer to the fact that God is our shepherd uh, Psalm 28, verse 9, David, again, save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. You know, that's the, the Bible. And, and, you know, it says that God is our shepherd. And at the same time, it says that we are his sheep. That's the same point on the other side of the same coin. Psalm 95 and verse 7, it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 100, verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, I don't know, do any of you here have like um, maybe a neighbor, or maybe you're one of those people who have one of those pets that are spoiled? Have you ever seen those little dogs that are dressed up in these wonderful outfits, you know, and uh, you trip out on them? I mean, I don't know if it's always been this way, but I think time has changed to the point where, man, you know, I, I trip out on the way that people sometimes treat their, you know, dogs better than they do, you know, their, you know, neighbors or friends. And you can see them there and they're spoiled. They even have air-conditioned dog houses. If you guys ever heard about that, that's true. And so let me ask you a question. Does that say, what is that? Does it say something about the pet? Or does it say something about the owner of the pet? It's talking about the owner, huh? And that's how it is with us. You know, when you realize the, the Lord is your shepherd, and we're going to see how he blesses us in that. You know, it's such a wonderful truth. It really is. And it's biblical. He's our shepherd, and we're his sheep. And we see it saturated 
throughout the scriptures. I love the way it's expressed in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. It says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. I mean, that's a shepherd taking care of his sheep. And it's an encouragement for you. Some of you, I don't know for sure, but maybe you know people who have little ones, you know. And and Lord will gently lead those moms with little ones because he knows how difficult that is. But no matter who it is, you're a lamb, he'll carry you if you can't walk. And you know, what we find is that as our shepherd, he has a place where he wants to lead us. The key is know who he is, know who you are, and follow him. And we're going to see so important as we go through this passage. You know, the truth of God as our shepherd is saturated throughout the Old Testament, but is concentrated in the New Testament. You know, and, and is concentrated in Christ. Because when God came down to planet Earth, his son came, Jesus came, and what did he say in John chapter 10? He said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It's interesting how in the Old Testament, the shepherd and the sheep relationship was different. In the Old Testament, the the sheep died for the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd dies for the sheep. That's how much he loves you. And as we go through our passage today, we're going to see how he is in love with his people. You know, and, and one last thing to consider before we dive into our text tonight. Uh, I, just, I just had to tell you this because I read it in a few commentaries and I think it might be something significant. In Psalm chapter 22, uh, we see, you guys remember we studied last week, you know, the shepherd dying for the sheep. So that would go to John chapter 10, the good shepherd. In Psalm chapter 23, we're going to see not the shepherd necessarily cleansing his sheep, but now caring for his sheep. And that goes over to Hebrews 13, where you'll read in the Bible about the great shepherd. So you have the good shepherd, John chapter 10, Psalm 22. The, the, the great shepherd, Hebrews 13, Psalm 23, caring. And then the chief shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 5, it goes with Psalm 24, or we're going to see that's a psalm about him coming. So the shepherd cleansing, the shepherd caring, the shepherd coming, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. And I think there's some significance to that. But as we get into this psalm right here, notice again what we see in Psalm chapter 23, again in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. And and it's just good to know that the Lord is our shepherd, but not just our shepherd. Remember, generally speaking, no, David says he's my shepherd, personally speaking. And so one thing I want to encourage you in tonight, don't don't let this just be information. You know, generally, let it be personal application. Can you say that tonight? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you guys memorize the psalm by, by the end of the night. Can you say that? I'm gonna, we're going to ask you to say, The Lord is my shepherd. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, I know I had you say it. But is it true? Is it really true? Is, really, is the Lord really 
Can you say that? My shepherd. I'm his sheep. He guides me. I follow him. I pray that you would be able to say that. You know, and it's so important that we bring personal application to, to, to our hearts because if he is our shepherd, you know, your life's going to be totally different. Not only will you go to heaven when you die, but you'll have life while you live. But you have to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. It has to be personal. And he says there in verse 1, this is a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And most other translations say, I shall not lack, or I basically I'll have everything that I need, right? You know, back then and, and there, most people wondered if they would have enough food or, or water. That was life for them. They wondered whether or not they would have the proper clothing, you know, for us here and now in the United States, uh, for the most part, the issue is not whether or not we have enough. The issue is whether you have too much. And so, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. If you follow him, then he's going to give you just what you need. You don't need to, to want anymore. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. It's interesting how... The translation sticks to the original language. So here's the question. Why do we want so much more in the United States of America? Why are we like this? You know, why is it that, you know, we always want more? And the answer is found in Proverbs 27 and verse 20. It says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. I mean, even my, me, myself, last night, I'm serious. I went home. I served me some beans and rice. I put some little uh, jalapeno uh, uh, potato chips underneath the beans Sprinkle a little cheese on there. It was so good. It was so good. But it, it, why did I have to go for a second plate? <laughs> I don't know, you know? And then I woke up in the morning. Do you guys do the same thing that I do? I woke up the next, woke up this morning. I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, I didn't need an extra. But if for some reason, our eyes are never satisfied, you know? Uh, and so we, we want more. We covet more. You know, what happens in, in the United States of America is our, our, we go beyond our needs into the terrible realm of greeds. Why? You know, we, we accumulate so much stuff. We become stuffy people, huh? <laughs> so much stuff that we have that we don't even need and it takes on a different you know, connotation. We're almost crushed by our clutter. We're paralyzed by our possessions. So much stuff, right? If only I would just follow the shepherd rather than the good, you know, world, way the world is, the Pied Piper of commercialism, materialism. If only I would realize since the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, I should not want so much more than I need. Right? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, you know? I mean, if we only, I mean, I'm using food as an example, man, but if you only ate what you needed, you'd probably even be healthier, live longer, more energy, stuff like that, you know? And the more stuff that you begin to accumulate, what ends up happening is the more distractions you have from serving the Lord. And so be really careful, you know? The Lord will always provide our needs, not our greeds. And if we can come to that place, it's a blessing, you know, to be there. There's a neat psalm in Psalm 34, 9 through 10. It says, O fear the Lord, you his saints, 
There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You know, today I sat down with a young man and, you know, he's thinking about his future. He's like, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, he's, you know, he's taking steps, you know, and trying to make, you know, the right decisions because he knows that it's not easy to, to provide for a family in, in this nation, right? And, and it, it's kind of cool, to be honest with you. My, my, my personal conviction is, man, it would be cool if, if just the, the guy, the husband could work and maybe the wife could be a homemaker. I understand sometimes that's not always a possibility, but you should work, you should pray, you should try maybe to make that happen. You know, but, but you know, you're looking around at the, the world that we live in now and you're wondering, well, how could that possibly be? And so here I am, I'm talking to this young man. I just said, just put God first. That's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do is put God first, and he'll take care of the rest. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd, and therefore you shall not want you shall not lack you might not get the stuff that the world wants you to have but you'll have everything that you need when the lord is your shepherd you know in in verse one it speaks of the lord's provision and in verses two and three it speaks of the lord's direction notice it says he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't know about you, but I am so blessed that the Lord is wanting to guide my life. You know, he he gives us provision and he offers us direction. Sheep have a tendency to stray. It's just the way we are. Unless you're, you know, knocking yourself upside the head, man, your, your alignment's bad. If you're not really walking circumspectly, you're going to go astray. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And so that's the tendency of sheep. You know, in Luke 15, Jesus gives a parable about people and refer he refers to them as lost sheep and so he'll leave the 99 to go looking for the one and so we have a tendency to stray away we're prone to wander our alignment is out of line and so we are in desperate need of his direction have you ever you know been following someone you're you're going somewhere you've never been there before and uh and then they just kind of like jammed. And they just split. And they're like, man, you're like, dude, didn't you know that I was following you? And you just took off and you even like ran a red light. It's almost like you're trying to get away from me, you know? And I mean, if you're, if you're you know, following the Lord and, 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 you know, you start lagging behind, you know, and you can't see him, how are you going to know where to go in life? If you don't have an intimate, personal relationship with God, 
what kind of direction do you have? You know, my friend, you're left to yourself. And you don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. See, the Lord, he gives us direction. And what we find is that he guides us, it says right here, to, to green pastures. You know, that means that we're going to be well fed if we're guided by him. Green pastures, well fed, not just burritos, right? But the Bible. It's everything we need to take in. Everything that we need to take in, we will be well fed by God when we follow him. Everything we need to take in in order to be healthy Christians. You know, you guys have probably heard that saying. They say the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It's not true when you're a Christian. Because he makes us to lie down in green pastures. You know, that's his promise. God's promise in Ezekiel 34, 14 and 15, it says, I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. You know, and I, and I just think it's so cool that when the Lord is your shepherd, he brings you to those places where you're going to be well fed. You know, when I got saved, I am so grateful to God that he led me to Calvary Chapel. You know, because uh, the conviction of Calvary Chapel is teach the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, travel through the Bible. And, and to me, I, I've noticed now that I can go back and look back at whatever, 25, 26 years of just being taught the Bible my whole life since I've been a Christian. What a blessing I've had. And that was Pastor Chuck's philosophy of ministry. Simply teach the Bible simply. And then hopefully you'll develop an appetite for the Word of God. And so it won't just be you here at church being fed, but you're going to go home and you're going to learn how to feed yourself. And you're going to grow. I think we have a picture of what the philosophy was of Calvary Chapel. Do we have that one? I think we do. It's about um, the sheep and how they're well fed. You guys, ever remember, you guys remember this uh, sticker? For those of you guys who go way back in Calvary Chapel, those, those days, Calvary Chapel where the sheep like to eat. Isn't that cool? And all I know is this, and again, not that we're necessarily the, the best teachers. We're not the most fancy. We don't have like all the whatever, the illustrations and quotations, but we teach the Bible. And that's what's going to build you up. When the Lord is your shepherd, he will lead you, he will make it lie down in green pastures. And that's talking about the fact that you will be well fed. You know, one of the things that we see is that not only does he make us to lie down in green pastures, but he leads us beside the still waters. You know, sheep can't drink from a rushing river, and so the great shepherd leads us to those peaceful waters and what happens is as this sheep follows this great shepherd, the sheep finds great peace because that's the only way that he can make the sheep lie down. You know, the still waters. To me, there's, a, there's an aspect of serenity there. You see the still waters, and so he's, you know, his thirst is quenched. He's being fed, and now the sheep is able to lie down and rest. He's no longer restless he has peace in his life. So you can't make a sheep lie down unless it feels safe, secure, and satisfied. And that's what happens 
when the Lord is your shepherd. You know, if you're here tonight and you don't have peace, then you're missing out on the, on the wonderful truth that the Lord is your shepherd. Because he makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside the still waters. You know, Psalm 36, 8 and 9, it says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures, for with you is the fountain of life. You know, and that's what happens. I mean, I, I tell you what, you know, we go through a lot of trials. You know, we get bombarded by the enemy. You get temptations left and right. You get weird people in your life. I mean, things happen, right? But you know what? They don't rob me of my joy. They don't rob me of my peace. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm not a sinless man. But I am a sincere man. And I'm doing my best to follow Jesus. And I have peace. That's what happens. Again, not, not perfect, but proper. Not sinless, but sincere. And as you're a sheep following your shepherd, you're going to have peace no matter what. See, that's what he gives to us. And he makes us lie down in those places. You know, what we find in going through this text right here is that he gives us direction. He gives us provision. He restores my soul, you know? And that's such a cool, you know, truth. You know, part of that direction sometimes is restoration. Restores my soul. And then really that word right there speaks of the way he brings me back to himself. The way he renews us. The way he restores us. Maybe you're here today and you drifted away and God here is not only the God of salvation, he's the God of restoration. You know, and sometimes we feel dry or sometimes we feel distant, but God restores our soul and he leads us, it says here, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Or as the NET puts it, he leads me down the right path for the sake of his reputation. You know, and that's why the Lord sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness because they came out of Egypt and everybody knew it was the Lord and God got a little bit upset with them. He was going to wipe them out. But Moses said, but Lord, time out. What about your name? And so the Lord sustained them. The Lord showed them grace. And the Lord will do the same for us. Like I said earlier, when you look at that pet who has the T-shirt on, that dog who has the T-shirt on, you know, it says something about the owner. And when, you know, people look at your life and you're, and you're blessed, and you got the Christian bumper sticker and t-shirt, and you, you know, you've professed the world that you're a Christian, you know, it's a testimony of how good God is. But at the same time, if you say you're a Christian and you're not living like it, then what does it do to his name? But God will bless. God will restore. God will deal with us. And God will take a sheep, and you guys, I'm sure, you've heard this a million times, but what a shepherd would do with a sheep that had a tendency to stray is he would break his legs. You know, you got a sheep over here and it's always straying away and it's always putting himself in danger. Next thing you know, it's going to get eaten by some crazy predator, some wolf, some lion, some bear is going to kill it. 
And so, you know, the, the shepherd has to deal with it severely. He takes the sheep and he breaks its legs. And you're like, whoa, why would he do that? It's amazing what he does because he takes it. It can't walk away anymore. And he picks up that sheep and he carries it on his shoulders. And with the broken legs, the shepherd would carry that sheep until that sheep was able to walk. But during that time of brokenness, the sheep would learn to stay close to the shepherd. See, and that's what God wants to do. God will restore us. God, of course, will deal with us. You see, there's the, the provision that he gives. I shall not want. There's the direction he gives, how he leads us. And then there's the protection. We read there in verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that's uh, the darkest valley, you know, some call it even death valley. It's really any valley, those that valleys that are dark and dangerous, usually demonic, you know, there's a low points of life. David said, when I'm there, I will fear no evil. Why not? Because you are with me. And it's interesting, when you look at the psalm, you know, he starts off singing about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, you know, leads me beside the still waters. He, you know, does all these things, restores my soul. But now he's talking to the shepherd himself. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it's kind of cool how he now changes to, you know, who he's talking to. Now he's talking to the shepherd. And, and, and you know, as I shared earlier, and I, and I really pray you guys would, would kind of get into the, the groove of, of saying these things, you know. The Lord is my, yea, can you say that? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Can I say it again? But this time I want you to mean it, and I want you to say it to him, because I believe as you say it, and you stand on it, and you quote it, it'll change us, right? We'll say it again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, what you find, and, and, and as you go to the Bible, the, the perpetual presence of God is the most wonderful thing in life. But you know the poster child for that? You, do you know who the poster child is for the perpetual presence of God? Who is it in the Bible that most, when we see it, the, the testimony is, but the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. If you can guess this, I'm going to give you a $25 gift card to Starbucks. I'm just joking. Because I know Marie will probably guess. All right. <laughs> no, you know, the Lord was with him. Lord, but he, so his brothers sold him into slavery. But the Lord was with him. Joseph. Over and over and over and over again. He goes into Potiphar's house. He's a slave. It says in Genesis 39, verse 2, 
but the Lord was with him. Verse 3, the Lord was with him. Over and over again, you read, the Lord was with him. He was falsely accused, went to prison, but the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him for 13 years until eventually what ended up happening. God then fulfilled his purpose in the life of Joseph and he was used by God to change the world. You see, the perpetual presence of God and that promise, even in the deepest, darkest valley, even in Death Valley itself, is the most wonderful thing for our life. We don't have to fear any evil. Life is going to hit us hard, but we need to take heart and never forget that we're his flock, we're his family, and therefore we can say, as David said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, when they were summarizing the life of Joseph, it says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Let me ask you a question. Is that enough? Is that enough for you? No matter where you go, no matter how deep, how dark, how demonic, how deadly that valley is, is that enough for you that God is with you? Because if it's not, then he's not your shepherd. You don't have to fear any evil because the Lord is with you. Amen. You know, provision, he'll always provide my needs. Praise God for beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. A <laughs> little bit of salsa, maybe some homemade tortillas, but it doesn't have to happen, man. And praise God for his direction. You know, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go? Uh, you know, right, left, I don't know. Stop, slow, I don't Just follow him, right? And, and praise God for his protection. The enemy would love to tear you up. And you know, like we were talking earlier, the bear, the lion, the wolf, take you down, you know, to destroy you. But God will protect you when you're following him, right? We talked in the past how sheep are defenseless animals. And you guys know this. So you don't need to go back to fifth grade and learn about sheep, do you? You guys know. We all know sheep. What can they do? You know, when you get a ding and the bell goes off and they're there in the boxing ring and there's a sheep and there's the wolf. Who's going to win, you know? There's a lion. There's a dog. Even a cat could probably beat up a sheep. I mean, that's how defenseless they are, right? I mean, they, they, they can't protect themselves, they can't run, they can't kick, they can't claw, they can't bite, they can't fight, they can't do anything to protect themselves other than what? Cry out. Ah, that's much. Shepherd, help me, come on. And that's what we need. To, and in, in one sense, I want you, you got to know this, that's all you can do. Pray. And the truth is, a lot of times people won't even do that. But you can pray and your shepherd will come and he will protect. You know, we're not afraid of any evil. Even though we're in that valley, the shadow of death, his rod comforts you. And the rod was a club to beat down any predators. And at the end of the day, it's interesting, the sheep would pass under the rod. According to Leviticus 27, 32, Ezekiel 20, verse 37 the sheep would come, they would pass under the rod, and he would actually uh, examine them as they entered back into the fold to make sure none of them were bruised or injured or sick, maybe from eating a poisonous plant or some bug that they picked up while they were out there. And if they were sick, the shepherd would apply ointment and soothing oil to heal the sheep. And so 
you know, the rod uh, comforted him, the staff also, and there was a long hook to keep the sheep in line and to tend them, sometimes to discipline them as well. I'm so grateful that the Lord is our shepherd. You know, sometimes you're out and about and, you know, you see the kids and they're misbehaving and, you know, sometimes you see some parents, they don't do anything uh, to help them, you know, to discipline them. And, you know, poor kid. Poor kids, they need that discipline. They need someone to keep them in line. They need someone, you know, to to, to tend to them. Thank God we have a God who disciplines us because he loves us. See, it's different when the Lord is your shepherd. God's protection is so powerful. Notice what we read again here in verse 4. It says, um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You know, God's protection is so powerful that it's interesting. We eat from this table in the very presence of our enemies. And so when you're reading this, some would say, well, there's the end of the sheep metaphor. Now he's talking about a table, but not necessarily because in those days, wherever there was a flat land, they they would actually call that a table. As Wiersbe said, flat places in the hill country were called tables. And sometimes what the shepherd would do, he would stop the flock at these tables and allow them to eat and rest as they headed for the fold. And so... The point there, what what the psalmist is trying to say is it doesn't even matter if they're there watching you. I mean, the demons are there wanting to jump. Man, they can't touch you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of, of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, symbolic of healing. And, and, and your cup, what does the Bible say when the, when the, the Lord is your shepherd? It just runs over. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not. But if not, you should be. We should be experiencing this overflowing life. Your cup is your lot in life. And when the Lord is your shepherd, it's a different life. It's a life of provision. It's a life of peace. It's a life of victory, even in the darkest valley. It's a life of joy. You're in the green pastures. You're beside the still waters. You're able to get rest because you're lying down. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. I mean, Christians shouldn't walk around bummed and beat up and depressed like Eeyore. Woe is me. The Lord is your shepherd. See, the provision, the the direction, the the protection, and and most important of all, the last one is the salvation. Notice what we read in in verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, and this is uh, salvation. You know when salvation starts? You guys know when salvation starts? The moment you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, just in case there's anyone here, you know, and you came 
Because your friend said, hey, if you come to church with me afterwards, I'll take you to In-N-Out. And you're like, okay, I'll go with you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and then you're here and you're wondering, man, you know what? To be honest with you, bro, I don't know if I go to heaven if I die today. You know, I honestly don't know if I have a relationship with God. I honestly don't know if I'm really a Christian, if I'm really saved. Well, it's so crazy because all you have to do is follow the shepherd. Choose today to follow the shepherd. Repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You're a sinner separated from God. If you died today, you would die in your sins. You'd go to hell. But Christ died on the cross. He rose again. And all you have to do is believe in him and receive him as Lord and Savior and you'll be saved. Salvation begins the moment you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. I'll never forget, August 20th, 1989. I think it was 6.08 p.m. I'm not sure, right around there, man. That moment, I was saved. And that's what we read right here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The, the mercy there is, some translations call it God's unfailing love. And they, the word says, follows me the word should actually be pursues me. His mercy, his unfailing love, his faithfulness pursue me. He chases me all the days of my life. And then when life is over, and he says right there, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. I mean, talk about green pastures. You know, one day we're going to be home and he's leading us through life and we go through valleys, but we're going to be okay because he's with us. And you might get a little, you know, sick or whatever. You got the struggle and so he anoints you with oil and it's okay. You know, and you get thirsty in there. He leads you beside the still waters and the wolf comes and it's okay. He breaks out his rod and he beats it down and he takes care of you because you're his shepherd. You've decided to follow him. He takes care of you all the days of your life. And then one day when life is over, where are you going to be in, in Where are you going to live in heaven? You know, it's kind of funny because some people say, well, I'm going to have a house over here and a cul-de-sac, you know, you know, living next to Paul the Apostle or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't think it it's works that way. I think it, we're actually all going to be living in our Father's house. You know, that's what Jesus said in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. Right here he says, and I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. I mean, my room's probably be right next to his, but you guys will be there also. <laughs> you know, that's, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that, is that whole aspect of salvation. And how did the sheep do it? You know, what an awesome sheep. Give me a break. I mean, I'm, I mean, sheep are cool. You know, we have stuffed animals at home because they're so cute. You know, the cuddly sheep. But come on, the sheep, you give glory to the sheep, it's the shepherd, right? And one day we're going to be home. You know, that's why this psalm is read at funerals. And it's good. It's appropriate. But it's not just for funerals. It's really all of life, right? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One day, we'll be home in heaven. And when I think of that, I think, Lord, that's you know the one thing I want more than anything else. Psalm 27 and verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Do you guys look forward to heaven? You know, I mean, again, we're not morbid people. We're not like, oh, I want to die today because, you know, we want to live life. We want to serve the Lord. We want to bless our family. We want to pass the baton. We want to do everything we can while we're living. But if one day the doctor comes to me and says, man, you got one day, you're going home tomorrow. You're going to die tomorrow. I, I tell you what, I, I will rejoice. I know that he's going to take care of my family. Because he doesn't make any mistakes. It's not like he doesn't know the proper day. He knows the, the best day. But one day when I find out that my race is over, I will rejoice. Because I know this is not my home. not your home. Let me close with one story I read about two men who were dying uh, across town from one another. And, And one was a very wealthy man who had amassed and enjoyed a fortune. His mansion was lavishly furnished with expensive furniture and paintings all along the walls. He had a Bentley outside the door and a boat on the nearby lake. He had become ruthlessly rich. The second man never flourished financially. He pretty much lived paycheck to paycheck. But he loved the Lord. And he served the Lord faithfully at church and other places. And so when they were dying, the first man moaned as he died and he muttered, what a miserable man I am. I'm leaving. I'm leaving home. I'm, I'm leaving home. But the second man, when he died, had a glow on his face. And he said, what a joyful man I am. I'm going home. I'm finally going home. You see, we're fish out of water. And we're strangers. We're aliens, the Bible says. We're pilgrims just passing through. And so with that in mind, C.S. Lewis said, you know what, you aim for heaven and you get earth thrown in. But if you aim for earth, you lose both. I think that things kind of come into perspective when you finally come to that place where we can say what we started with tonight and to be able to say it with the the sincerity that we need to say it with, and that is truly, can we say tonight, the Lord 